Welcome to the Dave Witty Show. I'm your host, Dave Witty. Back again for another episode, folks. Thanks again for everybody who's been tuning in. Took a little week off last week. Think I'm going to keep it that way for the rest of the summer. Getting a little busy here now, and I'm finding it a little more difficult to find the time here throughout the week. So uh, just going to be banging out one of these every couple of weeks now, at least until the fall, and I'll get back into the swing of things. Um, got another great episode coming up this week. Uh, very fortunate to have Nick Sexton join me, who is just an incredible dude. Um, he's been living in Toronto for a number of years, has a really, really awesome stories, been involved in so many cool projects. I mean, he's worked on, uh, you know, the Rick Mercer report and, uh, this hour is 22 minutes and on top of his own stuff. I mean, he's basically the brainchild behind the Donnie Dumphy stuff. Um, you know, all those videos, all those sketches and, and, uh, and especially, you know, the, the feature film, how to be deadly. So, you know, we chatted a lot about that. We also chatted about his experience when he was, um, down South, uh, in the U S for the election, spent eight weeks down there covering the U S election for, um, for this hour is 22 minutes and, uh, you know, really, really crazy stuff right in the middle of pandemic. Uh, really, really cool. So big thanks to Nick for, for joining me. Uh, make sure you do stick around for that one. Um, not too much going on in, in my world on it. You know, obviously in the last few weeks, been, everything's been a little bit busier. I've been playing a lot more. Uh, did a gig a couple weeks ago with the Donnie's at Shamrock city, uh, Friday and Saturday night had the lovely Maria Cherwick filling in for us. She was awesome on the fiddle. And obviously a few little soul things here and there. Um, I mean, I think the last time we spoke, uh, the Leafs had been knocked out. Lots of lots of hockey going on, you know, since then and lots of lots of sports. I mean, been back into the Jays full time. Really, really fun to watch the Jays. Uh, really young team. These guys got the bats going. Um, they lost a heartbreaker last night when... Uh, when Vladdy, uh, Vladdy hit a, hit a home run in the bottom of the ninth to tie it up and uh, Boston ended up coming back. But really exciting team, hoping that the management can put a few more arms in place to, to really keep that, uh, keep that team pushing forward. Uh, it's been really, really fun to watch. Um, I don't have a whole lot on the go this weekend. I'm actually going to take the weekend and, uh, and uh, probably head out head out around the bay and uh, just enjoy the uh, the local Newfoundland scenery for uh, for a couple days. Uh, they did note today that Atlantic provinces are opening up to um, their, I guess, the bubble again, I guess, but uh, June 23rd. So uh, anybody who's, you know, Nova Scotia, New Brunswick, PEI, wants to come visit Newfoundland, you don't have to quarantine anymore. So really, really showing some signs of of things picking back up. So, um, I'm really, really happy about that. I got to say, got my first vaccine, uh, looking like about 80% of the population right now in Newfoundland has their first dose. So that's really, really exciting guys. If you haven't done it, make sure you do, uh, so we can get things back in order. Uh, I'm not going to keep it too long on myself today. We had a great chat with, uh, with Nick and, and, uh, it was a little longer than, than most interviews. So I'm not going to push myself too much here, but, um, yeah, make sure you, you know, make sure you stick around for for Nick and and uh uh make sure you check out all the films that that he was talking about. I mean, the, the Dumpy film is awesome and the uh uh Me Mom and COVID is is incredible. Really really neat to watch. So, uh with that being said, guys, going to flick it over to Nick Sexton. And I'd like to welcome Nick Sexton to the podcast. How you doing, Nick? Thanks for taking some time today, man, and joining. Uh how's everything going? I was going good, man. Thanks for uh, having me. I didn't know that the little thing comes up and tells you it's being recorded. That's a new feature. I know it's been catching me off guard the last uh, last few episodes, but uh, yeah. yeah, it's like a recording in process. But anyways, yeah, thanks for uh, thanks for hopping on today. Um, 
Nick's joining me from Toronto today where he lives. And uh, how's everything going in Toronto, man? I mean, with COVID and stuff, I mean, are you guys still locked down? How's that been the last year or so? It's uh, it's very, confu- it's like really confusing. Like every, every day you're like, you sort of check how many case numbers there are, how many, you know, what's going on outside. They just opened stores again, which to 15% capacity. So, you know, it's really, it's very odd. I went to, I, I got to do a gravel pathway in my backyard and I went into like the Portuguese place. They have like all the rocks and, you know, sand and three, uh, three, eight inch uh, gravel. <laughs> there's all kinds <laughs> of different things. And there's one customer allowed in at the time. And, and I don't think he wanted to like talk to me very long about, about gravel when he's got tang of bodies outside. Yeah. He's just so, trying to push bodies in. through. Yeah. Yeah. But no, it's been crazy, man. Like uh, I've been, we've been inside. I, I got two kids. Um, they both go to school across the street from here and we, they've been homeschooled for the last six months or so. It's, it's crazy. And I haven't really sat on a patio or been inside a bar or anything, you know, since November. Yeah. Oh man. I know it's been, it's been such a weird year. Obviously um, I know we were chatting a little bit beforehand, but you know, it's, it's, it's definitely different. I mean, for, for Newfoundland and, and Toronto, I mean, just, just because of, the population size. I mean, that makes such a huge difference. And, and uh, it's definitely been challenging. I mean, I don't have any kids myself, but I, I can imagine that must have been just a whole another element to it, you know, just making sure that they're okay. And they probably kind of understand what's going on. And, and on top of that, trying to probably get their schoolwork done has, has definitely been a challenge. Oh, they're, yeah, it's really, it's a, it's a real pain in the ass. They're like, you know, trying to get them up and motivated, like watching a child do gym class in the basement doing jumping jacks <laughs> is, is not really like, you know, physical exercise. If you ask me, it's, uh, it's, it's tough. I mean, it was, uh, it's, I think we're the most lockdown city in the world. I think that's what I read somewhere that like Toronto is the most lockdown city. And, uh, and I, I don't like weigh in uh, too heavy on, on uh, whether it's right or wrong or, or whatnot or, but um, it's a lot of time with each other. <laughs> yeah, like I bet. yeah. Yeah. We've watched, uh, I, I guess it's interesting. My kids like, you know, watching shows now, like my daughter got into stranger things mm-hmm. and, uh, and I check like, uh, how's your school today? Oh, good. Yeah. Really good. Right on. And I just went on like the Netflix um, like user, like each user, what they had. And I'm like, Oh, so it's uh, since nine o'clock and it's three o'clock now. You've watched six episodes of Stranger Things, um, and and you did school at the same time, so it's uh, it's easy to uh, to see that they're not really doing a lot. I mean, you got to sort of stay on top of them. Well, I mean, that's funny, but I, I you know, it's 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 kind of weird how you can kind of you can track that stuff nowadays. I mean, if that was us when we were their age, I'm, I'm assuming that nobody would really be able to keep such an eye on us. I don't know if they'd be able to do homeschool. They'd probably just give us books and say, go learn this. And oh, I mean, no. I don't no. know if it would ever be able to happen. You know what I mean? I, no, you, you can, no, when we were kids, man, God, I mean, <laughs> I, remember, I remember, I probably shouldn't say this. I remember my mom, uh, I had a tutor for math in high school and uh, he tutored me for an hour and she'd give him 15 bucks and I'd walk him to his motorcycle and then he'd buy a gram of weed off me. You know what I mean? Like, so the 15 bucks would go back in my pocket. Uh, you know, you could manipulate it way better back then. There's not tracking stuff. And I just found out that I could do that YouTube, that Netflix thing to see her stranger things, uh, or watch time or watch time. Yeah. Exactly. I guess if I changed the password to Netflix, I would, you know, devastate the entire home in, in a way. So, yeah, yeah, no doubt. Nick on your Instagram, Self-proclaimed writer, director, skateboarder, Newfoundlander. Right. 
Um, how have you been keeping busy over the last year? What have you been up to? Um, geez, well, I guess when, when um, I was supposed to go to Tokyo, when the pandemic first happened, I was supposed to go to Tokyo for the tickets booked, hotels booked for the Olympics um, with, with, our, with my guy, Mark Sakamoto, who's like a good friend of mine. And, and we were going to direct these uh, and make these 16 little short pieces, kind of like, kind of, you know, in, in the vein of Anthony Bourdain a little bit, like uh, not, not so much about sports, but about how cool Tokyo is. And uh, yeah, then pandemic came. So that was, that was gone. And we're actually making them right now. And, and they're pretty cool. I, I must say, like, we, we couldn't go to Tokyo, but we've, um, we have some footage from there that CBC shot and we've, we've got a lot of connections there through our producers and stuff. So we're interviewing people in Tokyo and we're, we're still talking about how, how rad Tokyo is. I, I mean, if you think about Tokyo, I mean, just quickly, I know I got other things to talk about, but uh, the population of Tokyo is uh, basically all of Canada crammed into the Island of Prince Edward Island. Uh, so it's, you think about how dense, you know, it's 30, but 35, 36 million people, I think in one city, you know, it's so yeah, so space is, is very, <laughs> I just watched a video on space today that we were making and it's just, uh, it's wild. I mean, have you ever seen those like, those hotels that are just, that are just like lodged in like those little bunkers? It's wild. Um, so I did that and then uh, working on, um, I went to the States for this hour's 22 minutes uh, I, uh, for the US election, which was really cool, which is probably, I was equally as excited as I was nervous about dying. <laughs> or uh you know i went i attended i attended a few too many trump rallies um and and then of course uh working on like a, a feature film that i've been wanting to make for the almost the last eight years um with my buddy sean dalton who's the uh the former drummer of the trues so that's yeah that's, right sort of like yeah it's a real passion project of ours cool, that we're hopefully cool. gonna make this year yeah yeah well, well i definitely want to talk about that you know but i kind of want to start off with some of the earlier stuff nick like you know yeah. kind of back in st john's i know you grew up in you know a skateboarding culture where you guys were filming each other i mean doing you know different tricks and, and different different clips and all kinds of different stuff and um you know what, what kind of got you involved with 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 that was that something uh you know as a kid you, you were interested in and then it kind of evolved and, and you just kept growing from there i think so i think I think as a kid, like, I don't know. Do you remember the first time you saw someone skateboard down the road? Like what that felt like or what that was like? I remember for me, it was like, I want to do that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I want to fucking do that. Yeah, like yeah. that, like kind of defying gravity, kind of like, how do you do that? Like it's, uh, yeah. So that was that when I first saw a skateboard, I was like, oh my God, I got to do that. So my, my grandfather bought me my first board when I was seven uh, from Canadian Tire. I, I, I spent a lot of time in my grandparents' house, like, my mom had me when she was 17. Um, so I was very close to my grandparents. And my, I remember my grandfather bought me like the Canadian tire board with the dragon on it. I don't <laughs> think it was any brand. I think it was just a knockoff and, you know, did it use in the, in the driveway and it's Avenue for like, you know, a month or two and it went away. And then never saw skateboarding again until like drove by like warm oil downtown as a kid. And you see like all these people hanging out downtown at Harborside and you're like, Oh my God, what is, what's going on here? And that was, that was a real, like, I want to be part of that, that world. And um, my friend, Patrick Ward, who's like, you know, my, probably one of my oldest, probably my oldest friend and my, my best friend to this day is uh, me and him got into it pretty heavy with, um, with a bunch of, bunch of kind of like Elliot Dix really got me into it. He was big into skateboarding. There's a, a bunch of these crews. So, so once we got going, um, 
you know, we eventually started hanging out downtown and became good friends with, with Joey Marr, who lived down the street from me. And I, and I always admired Joey. It was one of those things where it's like made, became friends with your hero in a way. And uh, to this day, he's still like a really good buddy. And we, and we started, we started skating and it was, and um, not everybody had, you know, cell no one had cell phones then. No one had video cameras even. So we saved up as like a, you know, for, for a video camera. Then we started shooting it. And it wasn't until I met John Palsy that, um, that we started uh, actually editing, them, editing the videos and, and uh, booking the premiere. So that was, that was the, how the first video came to be. I had, I had years of like all this footage. John Palsy was working at Freeride back downtown at the time. He came to me and he was like, I heard you got all this footage and I'm like, yeah, I got, you know, and then we, he's like, well, we should, uh, we should make a video. Should put that into a video. And then we rented back then, like editing, <laughs> editing back then was you rented Nifco edit suite, like a hard drive, put it in perspective, like a hard drive, like, you know, this size mm -hmm. scuzzy drive. I think they used to call them that had like a hundred gigs in it. We're like, I don't know, like, seven thousand dollars or something ridiculous like that and you would go into nifco and you would rent this suite and you'd load up the hard drives with your footage you'd edit on an avid and then you'd make your video for in a week or two and as soon as you were done making the video that footage was blown off the hard drives because the next project was coming in right you know gig space was so was so cost costly back then so that's how we got into it and it's funny, I was talking to someone the other day, Dave, about, about skateboarding being in the Olympics. And I was saying how... Yeah, it's so cool. It, it is, but then I was like thinking about like St. John's uh, and how, you know, Andy Wells was against skateboarding, the mayor Andy Wells at the time. And my mom, when I got my driver's license, my mom went to get, you know, up to the, the, the lady and she was paying for it. And she goes, you owe $300 in skateboarding tickets. <laughs> and, and I was like, yeah. And so you think about that skateboarding was illegal in st john's under yeah. the Hi highway traffic act like it was illegal like you know skateboarding was a crime and now it's an olympic sport which is kind of hilarious you know what i mean like you know it's everywhere you went i mean it was illegal you, you would get kicked out everywhere you went nowadays i go skateboarding downtown toronto and uh and the security guard is half my age <laughs> right he's like uh, sir would you would you mind and it's just <laughs> different different tune but or the security guard used to skate now you know what i mean he wants to like hop on and yeah and yeah buy something yeah no so, it's it, it's yeah. definitely interesting uh, yeah like you mentioned you know it's it's how, how it kind of changes and i mean like the culture was was so uh like shunned upon i guess like it was like it was kind of like faux pas to be a skateboarder i mean which was probably why a lot of people progressed towards that just because it was kind of like a standoffish way i guess and you kind of had your own group and your own gang and that's kind of it was, it was fun to be a part of that um you know with that i mean with, with the skateboarding videos you guys you know always manage to throw in a few like funny bits there's always little skits in there and and stuff like that and and i guess that's where motion came from right yeah yeah motion came from the first video and yeah we do we do a couple of sketches we we would actually do like uh, john palsy's idea we would He's like, well, to pay for this editing space at NIFCO and the and rent, you know, rent the theater, we're gonna need to sell uh, commercials <laughs> in the, within the videos. So that's how we started doing ads for like Fred's. And I remember we had like a package plan, like thirty second commercial, you know, two hundred dollars, <laughs> and we'd film it for you, and 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 then all that. So yes, yeah, so we started selling ads 
within the videos and stuff. And, and uh, I used to think, like, we, so a lot of us used to think like, oh God, we got to, you know, these ads have to be in the videos and stuff. But that was just the way it was. I mean, if 411 videos back then always had ads. It just so happened that ours weren't skateboarding. They were like, you know, uh, a record shop. But I, I, but I, I look back on them quite fondly. Yeah. And I think my other ones about skateboarding too, that I, I never said is, uh, is like, you know, I, I was, you know, I was big into hockey. I was an all-star hockey team. I, you know, I, I was into sports like that. I played soccer, all kinds of stuff. And all those sports, man, like I, I still love them and stuff, but like, you got to go to a rink. You got to wait for your time slot. You got to like meet, you know, you got to meet your friend at the, you know, wherever you're at the tennis, at the tennis thing, you got to do, you got to golf, you got a golf schedule appointment. You know what I mean? You got to be on the tee by this time. And with skateboarding, man, it was like there's a coach that was, sorry, hockey had a coach yelling at you. Some guy that like probably wish he had made it or, you know, or had some sort of animosity. And the skateboarding was like literally this sport where you just open your door and bomb Pleasant Street. And mm -hmm. you're, you know what I mean? Like anywhere you go and you're your own coach. There's no one yelling at I guess now that's changed because there's Olympics. But yeah. But I mean, I, I think the, the, like the culture around that and, and, and like you mentioned, being able to just being able to wake up and, and hop on your skateboard and, and go is, is very, very interesting. And I mean, the support I would imagine that you had amongst your friends and, and other people in the community who were skateboarding were essentially like coaches without being yelled at or being forced to be there. They were, they wanted to help or you wanted to help. And I'm sure you do that same thing. I notice I see you all the time. You're skateboarding with your little guy. I mean, on, on your Instagram and, and stuff like that. I mean, that must feel pretty neat to be able to pass that down and, and to be able to do that with your son. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's like, you don't want to like, you don't want to push him or, or be that like, you know, go, go, go coach. Because, you know, someone, someone told me, you don't want to tell anyone that has talent as a kid that they're talented <laughs> because it might make them lazy and not try, try so hard, mm -hmm. which, which uh, I, I think is kind of sound advice in a way. So I won't say like, Oh my God, you're amazing. Or like, I'll just go, that's yeah, good. You know what I mean? Or what, <laughs> you know, or have fun. You know what I mean? Like, I think that's the biggest thing is like, have fun. Don't push them too hard. But yeah, I mean like skateboarders are a bit of an army, how they all get behind each other. Like, you know, if you're trying like, if you were trying to trick over a set of steers, like, and you were coming close, everyone's like, Oh my God, you got this, man. You got this. Like, you know, it's, it's, it's really, I think that we were all each other, each other's coaches in a way back then. And yeah, no, very, very supportive. I mean, it's always been like that. Even the guys I grew up with who, who were always like, we we're always skating when we were kids and stuff. And everybody was just always kind of, you know, pumping your tires. Everyone just wanted to see everybody get better, whether it was, you know, from the most advanced guys to the guys who were just learning how to Ollie. I mean, it was just, everybody wanted to see everybody push themselves a little bit farther, which was, I mean, so, so cool. I mean, just so vastly different than like you had mentioned than hockey, which, you know, everybody, it all has its own place, hockey, sports, basketball, tennis, golf, it all has its own sport, uh, own place. But uh, skateboarding is just such a supportive community, which I always found was, uh, was really, really neat. You know, I was asking Matt Cook about that too, who I know you're friends with and you, you guys skate together a little bit too. So I was yeah. asking him about skateboarding and that culture and especially in St. John's and stuff. And he mentioned all those exact same things that it's just such a supportive community, which is, uh, you know, it's really nice. Honestly, <laughs> well, I, I, well, I should ask you, is that, is it like that in the music industry in, in St. John's? It's like a lot of people push it each is, other. It, it is and it isn't, you know what I mean? There's, there's definitely some, some, um, I mean, I don't want to <laughs> bury anyone here, but, <laughs> but I mean, there's, there's definitely people out there who, 
who got no interest in seeing you succeed there. You know, people are in it for themselves because, because I think Nick, honestly, a lot of that comes down to is there's a monetary value on it when it comes to with, 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 with music. Whereas you guys are skating for, for passion for the most part, unless you're sponsored and you're signed don't get me wrong. And there's a lot of places for that, but for the majority of people are, are just, you know, you're skating for the pure pleasure of, of, of doing it and being out there and, and having fun with your, with your buddies. And, and, uh, where, where, what I'm doing is, is just has a monetary value on it. So, I mean, if you, if you take somebody's gig, man, somebody is, is, is pissed with you. You know what I mean? Like that's, you know, that's happened over the years. And so, but, but that's, it's not all like that. I mean, more people are supportive than not people. Everybody wants to see you succeed. You know what I mean? Everybody wants, especially as a Newfoundlander, especially if you're, if you're doing something original, I think people really, really appreciate, you know what I mean? If you can, if you can put a, uh, original stuff on <laughs> my daughter ruby <laughs> if you can put a you know original stuff out i mean people people are, are really behind you and especially coming from newfoundland because everybody knows for yourself you know everybody knows how how difficult it is to kind of do things out of here just by being so far away right yeah 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 but it you know i i remember too like when i came to toronto and there's like um you know, when I was in my early twenties in, in skateboarding, there, there's a lot, there's people that are um, very, to take it very seriously too. You know, when you get into that sort of sponsored world, like I was never really part of that, like, you know, amateur skateboarder sponsored, like, you know, getting hooked up, going on tours. I was, that was, I wasn't that good. Um, but I watched that from a distance and I saw like, I could see how like people got very, some people got pretty jealous of other people or like, you know, had to get the, you know, everyone trying to get the best clip or, you know, that kind of stuff. I just think that I'm at an age now, like, I'm just so grateful to be still doing it that, yeah, yeah. that, I, that I'm like really just, just really happy to be still out there until, until I can, you know, until I physically can't, which I hope never happens. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, you're still out there, man. I see, I see you're still out there grinding, man. You're doing your thing. Oh yeah. I got like, you know, I, I'm hurting <laughs> myself every time I go out and it's, uh, it's not fun. Yeah. You see my, my son has a, a giant, uh, if he comes up, I'll show you a giant scab on his elbow. I'm sure he tail. wears it as a battle wound where you're probably actually hurting. Like he's like, yeah. And you're like, no, he's, Damn, he's pretty man. hurt. He's oh, pretty yeah. hurt. Okay, okay. <laughs> no, he was, uh, he was both. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, and from the, from the skateboardings, Nick, like, uh, you know, in the videos, you know, as you guys were doing, as you were younger, I mean, progressively moved into, you know, filming sketches and stuff like that, which, you know, kind of spawned Donnie Dunphy. I mean, if you're a Newfoundlander, you know Donnie Dunphy, you know these videos. I mean, they were massive when it when it first came out. I mean, still you still see Leon around all the time and you still see the you know the odd sketch coming out and, and it's 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 really, really funny. And but what what kind of made you really kind of take that on full full steam? Like, I mean, because when it picked up, it really picked up, right? Yeah. Um what made me pick it up like full steam? I think I think we were doing the motion show. Like we were doing this, um, we were doing all these little sketches. So I had, so this little idea for like a little pilot, like had Donnie Dumphy, had Speedo Chainwalk guy, it had a bunch of skateboarding stuff in there. And um, I had filmed Leon doing Donnie Dumphy, I think around before YouTube even came out. It was around 2005, four-ish. And um, we, I just sat on the foot. We sat on the footage. We didn't do anything with it. And we would just play it at parties. We'd go to like parties, like we go to the bar in St. John's, I have my camera, we'd film or whatever. We just show people after the, you know, the, you know, the house after we just show clips of Leon 
and everyone would just die laughing. I would do the same in Toronto and people wouldn't understand what he said. And I was thinking like, well, I, I guess I got to subtitle it for, for, you know, for the world to understand. And mm -hmm. so, so we did the motion show and, and definitely we found like myself and Leon talked about, it, but we'd found like Dumfries stuff was really hitting, like people really took to it. And we just kept making more and more of those and, um, and it just kept growing and naturally just kept growing and growing like a yeast, <laughs> like a sourdough uh, starter. Anyway, it was, uh, it just grew and it took off. I mean, like we did the legend of Donnie Dumphy, then we did the Dumphy talks baseball. Then we did, um, a bunch of those other ones we did, which was like Donnie downtown. And, and, and then I think, I think I was just, you know, sort of YouTube was very new at the time. It was yeah, brand new. It was, it was brand new. Yeah. I, I remember yeah. when that all happened and I remember looking up videos on YouTube and, uh, I just remember it being so early in that and being like, it's so, how come these, these, I couldn't believe these videos were so accessible. And then, and then, the, and I remember that's right around the time when the dumpy video started coming out and which I it had to help in the cause just by being accessible on YouTube, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was, uh, and you're sort of studying the landscape of like, okay, what's going on? Like what's, what's working, what's not in YouTube land. But I was also a big fan of like, you know, those uh, Lonely Island guys, like the Andy Samberg guys. And there was a, there was another guy, I think there's another guy, I forget his name. Um, he had a average everyday normal guy or something. I yeah, John Lejoie. Yeah, he was, and I remember like- I was He's saying, an oh, actor, he's in a bunch of different shows. He was in that show um, about the fantasy football too. He's a guy from Montreal though, but yeah, John Lejoie is his name, yeah. He was, he was great. And I remember seeing like his music videos going like, oh yeah, that's really good. And, and Samberg's music videos. And I thought, you know, we, we should make a Dumpy. Like we always talk about him being this rapper because uh, every video up, in, up until then was just him promoing his, his rap albums. <laughs> <laughs> and, and we, and we, uh, we talked myself and Ian uh, Sanoban and, and Leon uh, just talked about like how sick would it be if we actually dropped an album? Like he actually had an album. And then we wrote having a time together and uh, 2.3 million views on YouTube. Having a time has. Is it? Yeah. I, we haven't seen a dime of any sort of monetization or whatever you call it. Well, we didn't, we didn't clear the rights for the Buka boom photo or the Dune thing or back then YouTube wasn't doing monetize. It was, that was like way later. So mm -hmm, mm -hmm. all those things were just sort of putting, putting it out there to, to, to get the next thing. Um, but yeah, no, myself, yeah, we wrote that and we like, we talked about, okay, so let's write this. We wrote the song and it was such a long process, Dave. Like we, we wrote it. Then I went back to Newfoundland. Uh, Adrian Sandoban got involved. He made the beat. Then we went to his basement. Leon recorded the song in the basement, sat on that for a bit, listened to it. Then like four months later, I flew back to Newfoundland again. We shot the music video. Then went back to Toronto, edited the music video. It was almost like, it was almost like an eight month process just to do having the time. Mm -hmm. And then once, once that launched, I think it was Christmas around 2009. So that's probably almost, a, is that a, geez, that must be like 12 years ago now, I guess. So, um, we, uh, we saw, okay, now it's, now we're going to record the whole album and Ian and myself and Leon got, got cracking on, uh, on doing that. And then we just put the whole thing out and then it, that's where, where it spawned. And then we just said, okay, let's, let's, let's go all in on this for a while.
Yeah, no. And I, I definitely remember, you know, very, very well. Well, I was also working with Phil St. Aubin at the time. I mean, we were oh, shooting, yeah. Yeah, we were right. shooting the Kitty Vitty video right around that same time that all that was coming out. So I was spending a bit of time in the St. Aubin's basement as well when all that was kind of <laughs> transpiring, you know what I mean? And yeah, I just yeah. remember it being so funny and, and just having a laugh, like, and, and just watching it all go down because I mean, <clears throat> at 2009, I would have been uh 21 i was 20 21 so, yeah so yeah. i was you know i was just i was just really starting to record my own music then and kind of just watching that process go down and 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 seeing you know videos being filmed and i just was was really enthralled by that i thought it was really really neat and to see the success from it and just you know what i mean like i grew up like a huge buddy was name guy like like yeah brought like awesome newfoundland humor to, to Newfoundland and also did obviously don't get me wrong a bunch of nostalgic work I mean credible credible musicians um you know some of the songs they've they've written have been have you know become anthems of Newfoundland but man these guys they did sketches on stage every single night which were so funny you know what I mean and I love yeah. that so when Dumpy kind of came out it kind of felt more me because it was like he's a bit skeetier he's a bit rough around the edges like you know what I mean which is how we grew up like that's it yeah. you know what I mean so yeah, no, that was really, really, uh, really interesting. Where did where did the the, the character for for Donnie kind of come up or come from? Was it something you created, or was it just somebody from the community kind of resembled that that person, or was it just kind of a, a you know a piece of all of those? Um, I, yeah, we get asked this question a lot, and and I think the only answer I could really give to it is is like I had the outfit at my mom's house that like up in her attic. The wig was, I think Mary Walsh uh, wore the wig in a movie called Violet. So if you actually look at the, the movie cover <laughs> of Violet, you'll probably see the same, the same wig. Uh, everyone knows it's a wig now, but there was a while we couldn't tell, we didn't talk about that at first. Um, and I met up with Leon. I told Leon the idea about the, about this guy who's like, who has this, this, you know, I had all the names of the tracks, you know, your mother had to come and child sports, youngster ain't mine. And I sort of described like you got Leon had the dirt bike and I'm like, okay, so this is the character. This is the outfit. How do you think he would sound? And then Leon just started talking. It was like, Oh my God, that's, that is perfect. And he, when he put the, the outfit on, it was like, just so funny. It just <laughs> and, sealed it. Yeah, exactly. It, it was like, this guy's amazing. And then it was, it wasn't like we like went away. Like we literally, he put the outfit on, he pulled up, you know, on the bike, stopped, says a line, and I'm like, okay, let's. Me and him, he had the bike. I had my skateboard. We just we went through downtown the entire day, down, the entire day, just filming one-liners or little little sections. And and um, and then we were, yeah. So that was sort of exactly how it was created. And then we just kept growing it. Like, okay, we were we'd be sitting around at Nautical Nelly's talking about, um, okay, he needs a girlfriend. Who's his girlfriend? What does she What does she do? And then we look over at the bar and there's Gina and we go, Hey Gina, you, you look like the perfect, uh, pretty, uh, ski girl. That would be Donnie's girlfriend. You could do that. Right. And, uh, I remember we went to get her the next, you know, the next day she's like, I'll do it. And we're like, awesome. And we go to her house, you know, her apartment the next day down around, you know, Queens road. And we're like, you know, knocking, throwing rocks at her window. And she's like, she told us later she was hiding out and she didn't want to come out at all and do it. So, eventually she did and, and and thank god she did yeah but no that was that was it that was like uh we just sort of blended our ideas together i had the outfit i had the wig i had you know the, you know the rap album background he had the bike he had the ski the ski the accent down really really good and and uh, yeah it was just a combo of those two so i think equally we created the character together
Yeah, no, exactly. And, and you know, as as the character grew and, and the videos grew, I mean, it, it moved into a short, which was, uh, I think that came out in, was it 2012, right? Um, I think so, yeah. Yeah. And then and then there was also the, the full length, I mean, which was shot back here in Newfoundland. And it's so, so funny. I mean, tons of cameos from all kinds of awesome people, you know, within the province and and, and abroad, too, as well. I mean, it was just just so funny. It was was that um, was that like a, something that you were kind of aiming for when you, when you first started that or did that kind of did kind of grow into that? Yeah, I, I knew right away that I wanted to uh, make a feature film. And uh, to do it, you know, I knew that I had, I'd have to prove our chops on, in a short film. So, so we definitely, we, we made the short. Short gets into like TIFF, got into like a section of the Cannes Film Festival. Um, and then that allowed us to make the feature. So then we're, we're going to make the feature. And I knew right from the get-go that, um, you know, working with Ed Rich, who's like, you know, a really, you should have him on actually. He's, a, he's an amazing writer and just a really you know, he's a, he's a professional writer and, and working with him developing the film and, and sort of getting, making sure that we had like a real story within this and not just a bunch of jokes. But I knew right away that I wanted to have all the members of COGCO in it. I knew right away that I wanted to like pay some homage to those, you know, to Andy and Greg and Kathy, Mary and, and, um, and I, and I really wanted to do that. So that was, that was something I knew right away. Uh, you know, if you look at the film, the film is like, it's still, a, it's a hero's journey, I guess they call it. Like if, <laughs> if you break it down, I think Vogler wrote about it. It's it's literally like, it's the same premise as like Skywalker and Star Wars. Like, you know, he didn't want to, he didn't want to go do the thing. <laughs> and uh, eventually he goes and does the thing. Leon didn't want to enter the bike, you know, the, the dirt bike challenge, but then his grandmother entered him. So he, and he loves his grandmother. So he felt he had to do it. And then, his girlfriend's at stake. So, so it is, it is a hero's journey tucked into a ridiculous world that, uh, that we, that we came up with. I don't, I don't know. I mean, like I look back on that, on, um, on how to be deadly. I watched it recently. Uh, the motorcycle film festival played it. And, um, yeah, I, I was a lot of funny moments and I still, I still really enjoyed a lot of moments and, and fond memories of making it. What was the reaction to that film? outside of Newfoundland? We toured the movie across Canada um, with our distributor and, and, through, um, and through the theaters as well, uh, through Cineplex. So we, we did like from, you know, basically, well, not the whole country, but we did like, you know, Alberta to Newfoundland across. And, you know, minus Manitoba, Saskatchewan. And it was... It's funny because you'd watch the movie every night in the theater. We'd, like, we'd do, okay, we were in Fort McMurray, then we'd do Grand Prairie, Edmonton, Calgary, four days in a row. And you'd sit in a, in a different in theater every night with a different crowd. And you sort of take note in your mind of like what they would laugh at, what they wouldn't. And for the most part, there was a lot of expat Newfoundlanders. Of course, yeah. <laughs> you know, so, so, you'd, so they got the jokes. But it was interesting to see like, you know, what, what people that weren't from Newfoundland, you know, would, would laugh at. And, and um, because, you know, we make, we make no uh, qualms about it. Like in the, it's, it's, you know, unapologetically a Newfoundland comedy. Like, you know, we, you know, you see a lot of stuff shot in Newfoundland and I'm, and I'm not knocking it. I, I, uh, I love everything that gets shot there. And it's, and, but a lot of times they hold back on accents or they hold back on showing, you know, Canadian money. It's American money because it might give that, that, you know, idea that, 
you're in a small town in America. And that's great because the Newfoundland is the most beautiful backdrop. I, I totally get that. But we, when we set, set out to make the film, we were like, okay, this is, this is straight, straight up St. John's. This is not like, we're not pretending it's somewhere else. This is, we're going to own the world and the accents and the talking fast parts. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. So, to, so yeah, so I think a lot of it they got and a lot, a lot of stuff flies over their head too. Like, you know, it's not, it's not, I almost want it to be a, a we all, we almost want it to be like a comedy that you discovered. Like if you weren't from Newfoundland, like you found it, like, you know, I, I, I often like that when I'd find like, you know, uh, a British film or something that I was like, Oh, I found that. So some British films I need to see subtitles for, you know, or, or whatnot, but it was, overall it was received very well. I mean, I, I still wish it would get on some sort of like a Netflix platform for for more people to see, like right now it's on, it was on like super channel and other things and it's on Apple as well, but it'd be great if it got on some kind of Netflix or, or um, Amazon thing where, where more of the world could see it. You know, we never got an American distributor right? and uh, I'd love for um, folks in the States to be able to see it. Yeah, no, I, I get that. I mean, it's, I always, I always find that interesting with, I mean, it kind of happens with music too, especially if you're playing kind of Newfoundland folk music occasionally, um just the interactions that you get from people outside the province on, on on how they but i mean like like you mentioned it was unapologetically newfoundland humor which i mean it's just like newfoundlanders are all in for that like let's be honest like you know everybody is just soaking that up whereas it might be harder to pull that in for uh, a mainland audience but i mean anybody who has been to the east coast i mean i think if people from mainland Canada have even been to Halifax they're going to relate to that kind of humor and they're going to see that kind of genuine comedic charm that kind of comes from the east coast I think that definitely resonates with 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 people all over I mean and and uh I, I remember you know a few years ago you know playing here in St. John's when, when tourist season was obviously you know before COVID and stuff like that and and you know you, you keep in touch with a lot of these people you meet over the years, and especially myself touring and stuff like that. I remember talking to people who had, who had seen the film after they had been to Newfoundland. You know what I mean? They'd been in oh, Newfoundland yeah. on yeah. vacation, and 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 obviously just fell in love with the place. They come here in the two of the nicest weeks of the year. They think it's like that, you know, all year round, and everybody's just <laughs> partying and loving it. And yeah. And then you know they go home, and and you're kind of keeping in touch, and they say, "Man, I I just watched this." Donnie Dumphy film like have you heard of it I'm like of course I've heard of it they're like it is so funny and it's like and one thing somebody said to me is that I'm not sure if I would not not like it but I mean just not get a lot of the jokes they would just find a hard time yeah you know getting the jokes is more, more right and and I mean they were like yeah when we went home man we just fucking love this thing like it's so so funny and they're like oh we can't wait to get back and I, I mean which is it's almost like a tourism piece in that sense you know it's funny because I, I I've heard from the, our editor Miles, who you know, who I love, who, who's a big, huge part of the movie. He was on set for a lot of it. Miles Davern, he's an awesome guy. He, uh, him and Colin Kelday, who did the score, um, I think it was Colin. I think it was Colin or Miles. They said someone they knew uh, found the film and they watched and they go, man, oh, man, I really didn't like. What a bad movie! But I couldn't take my eyes off and stop laughing. <laughs> and uh <laughs> what a weird compliment <laughs> oh yeah no I, and like i i'm fully game on like i wasn't i didn't set out to make you know a, a complex you know um comedy i wasn't you know we you know we, we we set out to make sort of this sort of uh this wild world and it wasn't to be taken seriously in in the film world you know what i mean i don't 
I, I don't think I'll make another How to Be Deadly again. Like I, I sort of wanted this to be like based on the character and, and, and catered to the, to the fans that we'd already made on, on YouTube. I didn't want to come out, you know, make something totally different than what they'd already seen. Yeah, it yeah, exactly. Very, it was very much already on brand of what we'd already sort of created with Happen to Time and stuff like that. So that was the world and it wasn't going to change it just so that we could try to get some sort of credibility in the film world. Like that right. wasn't what we set out to do. But like, yeah, no, I, uh, I think if you watch How to Be Deadly and you don't take it seriously, you just try to find the humor. And I think comedy is one of the hardest things to execute. And when you, when you don't take it seriously and you're not trying to like, you know, you know, you're not trying to, to watch it and judge it and stuff. You just sort of take it in. I think you could have a good time with it as an experience. Yeah. yeah. One other thing I wanted to ask you about with the Dumpy stuff before uh, we move on there is Jesse Stewart. Oh yeah. 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 Jesse. Yeah. I know Jesse, like, I mean, I was kind of doing a little like background on, on, on you and some of the stuff that you had done. And, and I remember this kind of happened and I remember him, the video got posted up where he's just like sitting around a campfire and he's doing, um, cry, is it cry tunes? Yeah. Cry tunes, yeah. Cold, cold beer. Yeah. It's like fucking 12, 13 million views on that video, man. And, and I, yeah. didn't you guys get him in the studio after to record like a proper version or something like that? Yeah. Uh, well, Ian, Ian Sandoban wrote, wrote, yep. Uh, cold beer, uh, cry tunes, and it was on the the first Dumpy album, and we did a video for it, and you know it did it did pretty good, um, but it was almost like uh, I think Ian's equated it to like oh this is this is how uh, <laughs> this is how what it's like when Johnny Cash does your song and it's way better than you know <laughs> right right and so not to compare ourselves to that level that's a, you know a different level but but yeah Jesse did this cover of 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 this of our song. And it was incredible. And everyone knew how incredible it was. It was on Reddit and it, would, it just blew up. And I think it actually had like more millions of views, but Jesse took it back from the guy from the campfire. It's the guy from the campfire posted it first. Ah, and, right. and it blew up that way. And then Jesse got it back and took ownership of it. Yeah, and we were in the middle of, of editing How to Be Deadly. And we thought, well, well we talked to Jesse, you know, over, over messages and stuff. And we're like, well, you know, love what you did. And he just won a trailer park boys contest to be on that show. So he was flying to Halifax from the West coast and we were in Toronto, myself and Ian, and we were doing the audio for, um, and all the music and stuff for, for how to be deadly or the, the score. Colin was doing the score and, and Sebastian was doing the mixing Sebastian and, uh, Brian. And anyways, we said, well, what, what if we got Jesse to come in, stop in overnight in, in Toronto on his way to do the tra trailer park boys thing record his version of cold beer and then and then we put it in a movie and we like and we threw, threw you know took that idea past him he's like i'm in and uh he did it and it was it was great uh i wasn't here for it i can't remember i think i was working out of town and then ian took it over ian went in and, and got it done and it was like he just met jesse like and jesse uh jesse's very funny and it's funny you know jesse sort of people would say like you know jesse's like lived on the streets he's jumped on trains he's done all that stuff and i remember ian's like uh yeah man i'll pick you up you can stay at my uh you can stay at my place jesse's like yeah okay i'll stay at your place for the first night he goes but then i'm gonna sleep in the park the second night with my buddies <laughs> and he's like okay all right okay cool. and uh ian's like i'll pick you up uh 8 30 in the park <laughs> you know <laughs> before the uh before the session and uh, they did and they got it done and it was uh and it's really good i mean i mean jesse's um i think you know i spent a lot of time with him and ian after you know in ian's garage and stuff watching him play and 
and I think Ian recorded a couple other songs, but I don't know if they've ever been released. But he's 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 um he's a super talent. That guy. Yeah, no, I just thought that was such a, a kind of a neat spawn off of of that whole thing that happened. I mean, it's just to um you know it's a campfire video and it's incredible i mean it's just so much emotion in it and and yeah. just you know it completely changed the the structure of the song you know it's just a, you, you'd never even almost besides the lyrics you would never know that it's the same song in it but it's awesome it really really was and i thought that was such a yeah like just a cool little spin-off of of that yeah. kind of thing um i mean the story, yeah the story behind that is that he was i think he's wearing construction boots i think those are like a bunch of dudes he was working on a construction site with they finished work they went back to buddy's place got a fire going a few beers and he's and he's like oh I'll play his song and and then that crazy. became the thing and that's how it came to be that's crazy man and i yeah. mean that's that's kind of the power of the internet right there that kind of shows it no doubt um yeah well you watch that video man and you look at you look at him singing and, and you see him it's almost like his it's almost like he escapes his body his, his veins eyes, are coming his, out of his neck, man. His <laughs> eyes go to a place, and it's almost like he's possessed when he's playing. Like, as a couple of songs I watched, some original songs he wrote that I, you know, I'm like, you gotta, I would love to make a video for this someday. Like, uh, there's one song called Marauder. It's, it's incredible. And I'm like, uh, why, why aren't we making a video to Marauder? But he is a Marauder. He's all over the place. He's hard to lock down. Right, right. You know? Yeah, no doubt. But I, but yeah. Yeah, it, was, it was a great experience with Jesse for sure. Um, Nick, you've been living in Toronto for 15 years. Am I right in saying that? Yeah, close to, yeah. What is it? I think, geez, maybe even like 17, 18. I, I, I'm starting to get concerned where <laughs> I've lived in Toronto more than Newfoundland. Right. So I'm like, I guess I have to change. I, I have to say that I'm more, I'm more of a Torontonian. Like I, I always forget my kids are essentially torontonians yeah no there's no essentially they are <laughs> <laughs> i know i know i don't i have but I, I have this thing in my mind where they're you know they're still newfoundlanders in my mind but yeah that's right oh. but i don't know yeah yeah that's that's just me wanting that uh i mean throughout all that stuff you've been working on some real real neat stuff i mean you've you worked on rick mercer report i think right from the beginning of of since its inception i believe and i mean uh canada's worst driver i know you were executive producer i believe on that um so, that right? associate producer on that associate yeah. Producer, yeah, yeah, sorry. yeah yeah and um and more recently this hour is 22 minutes i mean was that was that kind of the the goal when you when you first moved to toronto was to kind of link up with with you know uh some programs like that or did it just kind of happen uh naturally and and is that kind of why you kind of stuck it out there uh, no, I, I came here to go to uh, film school uh, at humber i got in and i thought like oh this is gonna be great i'm gonna go to film school uh, didn't work out for me. I'm not the <laughs> I'm not the one you talk about film school with. Um, I dropped out in the first two months. Um, I just I just it was going to be a lot of debt for three years for something I didn't think I needed, and um, I decided to go start working in commercials and music videos and stuff. So I I PA'd I you know changed garbage bags and buckets and you know drove the U-Haul with all the stuff in it and did all the the schlep work that uh, that I had to do for about a year. And um, yeah, I did that. And then Rick Mercer was coming to Toronto to do the Rick Mercer report. He was just on the, him and Gerald were just finishing um, Made in Canada. And uh, they called me in to do, to be a PA on that show. So, you know, it was still, it was still kind of lower tier, <laughs> lower tier, I guess, but it was uh, with, with good people and, and people, you know, I really liked and, and um, they gave me the gig on the, on the first season. And then, um, 
and then eventually I became a you know a researcher and then associate producer on on Mercer and and uh, and was no, but I didn't expect to be there for for 15 seasons. I thought like, oh, okay, this got like you know a couple of years. If you if you study the landscape of of shows on CBC, it's not 15 seasons usually. So that was you know that was sort of the show that raised me in a way was was the Rick Mercer report, and it was it was great because it's like you know it was it was almost like a school school semester. It was September to April, you know, mm-hmm. and you can go find other work in the summer or you could try to chill or whatever, whatever, whatever worked for you. But no, that was, that was a, that really shaped my, my career, Rick Mercer. I, I owe those guys a, a deep, a deep, uh, you know, thank you for, because they, they really showed me how to work, especially working within comedy. I probably wouldn't have made how to be deadly. Like, uh, if it wasn't, you know, for those guys and stuff and teaching me and just, just, you know, like sitting around at, at read throughs with like a lot of professionals and just wa- and just listening to the, how the jokes are delivered and how they're, how they're told, like it, it more or less to find out how to, how to not write a joke was, was listening to those guys talk. And, you know, you know, sometimes I remember one of the guys I worked with there, a writer, he was like, uh, I had written some sort of like, here's a sketch I wrote. <laughs> he looked at, he goes, all right, your first mistake is you got a, you got two puns right here. I said, yeah, what's wrong with that? He's like, you don't do puns. <laughs> you know, that's like rookie shit. Right. It's like, oh, okay. And then I, and I didn't understand now years later, I go, oh yeah, puns are kind of kind of rookie shit. Right. Right, so, right. Yeah, yeah. So so yeah, that was that was a huge learning curve for me. That was uh that was great. And I know obviously more recently you've been with uh, 22 minutes and you you were recently just down south of the border. I mean, you're covering, you know, what is probably one of the biggest elections in, in our lifetime, you know, in the U S for that matter, especially during a pandemic. I mean, what was that experience? Like how long were you down there? Uh, myself and Tom Stanley, who was a producer on Rick Mercer and John Sturge, who's uh, an old time friend who was in the motion videos and is also, uh, you know, um, cinematographer and amazing guy, both amazing guys. Um, yeah, we were the team that went, they sent down to cover the U S election and we were there for eight weeks. We flew into, into Washington we rented a minivan and I think we drove to 44 cities in those eight weeks. Like we were just all over the place and we couldn't fly because COVID we had to stay, you know, we had to sort of bubble together, stay in certain hotels that were like, you know, COVID safe or did some deep cleaning. Um, it was wild. The first we get, we got to Washington. We, uh, our camera stuff is missing on the first day. We have to wait for it to come the next morning. It, you know, I'm calling a friend who works at Air Canada car. Man, you got to make sure that camera's on. He go, he's like, yes, man. He helped, you know, he big favor, made sure we got it. And then the, the very first thing we shot was a, a rally in Pennsylvania, a Trump rally. So we're walking, we're walking, you know, thousands of people lined up to go see Trump, Trump supporters. And, and the first thing we hear is fake news, fake news. We're like, oh my God, this is going to be horrible. Oh no. And, uh, but no, it was, uh, it actually, it actually turned around and like people were pretty respectful and no, we never had any like altercations or anything. We just interviewed people and let them talk. Like, and you know, they'd ask us what our political beliefs were. We just say we're Canadian. This, this is not our election. This is, we're just here to cover your story and see what you, like, how you feel about this. But it was wild, man. I mean, we saw in those 44 cities, you know, in those eight weeks, we saw a lot of things like you, you travel down from, you know, the northern states and you go down and the coffee gets worse and the masks start coming off <laughs> because right. people don't believe in covid in some places they're like 
You one of those, you one of them mascots? Oh my God, <laughs> yeah, like, oh, okay, yeah. So it was, it was interesting, man. It was, a, it was a, it was a real character study for me, you know, in a lot of those places. But saw a lot of cities I, I probably would never would have seen. Covered a lot of things. Uh, you know, there was some real hope in in Atlanta, Georgia. Like Georgia flipped to Democrat, yeah. which was, uh, and we went to some, we went to some, you know, impoverished neighborhoods in Atlanta and uh, and interviewed people that had been in jail a lot of their life, young, young black men that, that never voted before and they were getting out to vote. And that was like, really, you know, we felt that how empowering that was for them to, to get out to the polls and, uh, and cast their ballot. Like it, that election really meant a lot to Americans. Like it was, it was wild, the energy in, in state to state you go to. Yeah. That's incredible. I mean, I, I, I just had to be right in the middle of that. And, and, and once again, like I'm just on top of, it being a like a pandemic where it's we're oh, right man. in the mid right in the heart of it too man like it was right in the middle of it i mean that just must have been such a crazy experience to be involved in that and and also probably like was it like a little were you somewhat fearful at all like was the the the, the virus itself kind of <laughs> scary like i mean because you're yeah where people where people weren't probably using the same precautions that you had been accustomed to at home you know yeah i mean definitely fearful i mean um but we we would just we would make sure that like when we were when we were with someone we'd mask up we i i was also doing sound so i had a 12-foot boom mic you know boom pole, sorry boom pole and we would keep our distance and we were we were very we kept all the interviews and all the footage outside we didn't go inside right. much um but no it was we were fearful at first i think by the end we were like okay, you know, I think if you take these measures, you can be safe, right? Anyone I interviewed that might have, been, you know, got COVID or something, usually the story is that they, they were inside with someone. So we just, we just took those measures in, into safe. But I mean, in terms of COVID, in terms of the election, on both sides, it felt like it was a matter of life or death, whether it was COVID or whether it was like their guy or not getting in or their leader not getting in or getting in. I mean, if you, you interviewed uh, Republicans in Florida, they're like, this this, you know, we obviously know the results now, but they're mm -hmm. like, I will cry if Donald Trump doesn't get in, you know? And Were you and there for the final, like when the election was called? Yeah, we were in Washington and we kind of got a heads up. We knew that it wasn't going to be the night of, it was going to drag out for a few days. So we mm -hmm. sort of knew that and we were just sort of stalled in Washington and we were filming interviews with people and stuff. And then we, I was at Freedom Plaza, which is, you know, known to locals as Pulaski Park. And uh, we were just having like, we had like a, an off day. So we were just skateboarding with a bunch of guys I knew in Washington. And I heard a bunch of horns burping. I was like, well, you know, is, is burping a Newfoundland thing? I think it is. Uh, I think it is, yeah. <laughs> I heard a bunch of horns burping and, and Sturge did too. And we're like, we sort of looked at each other across the plaza because, you know, Washington's a pretty Democrat state. And we're like, Biden won. Biden definitely won. If we, if, and then all of a sudden, like, you know, people are getting out of their cars losing their minds celebrating it was like it was pretty it's pretty wild and it was uh it was it was it was there was like a real movement that day i don't know it was uh it was something i'll never forget yeah i bet much has been just a crazy experience i mean and uh something that not too many people probably will would ever get to to do i mean let alone travel during covid <laughs> you know what i mean to yeah. see 44 cities i mean during all that when everybody was basically not, not even allowed to leave their house, let alone, but I mean, just to, you know, to kind of be in that, the middle of the, the election, I mean, and, and as a Canadian and, and as a Newfoundlander, it just must've been uh, uh, quite a sight to see. Well, it's, it's funny. Cause uh, you, you were down there and your Google maps tells you where you've been now, you know, tells you like your timeline where you've been. And it, that's how I know it's 44 cities. It says 44 cities. And, 
And I come back to Toronto and, <laughs> and I'm in the biggest lockdown ever. And it goes eight weeks later, it goes one city. <laughs> it's like one oh, house, yeah. one, one basement, <laughs> one basement. Yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah, so that's how I knew, but it was, yeah, it was a trip. I mean, you know, looking back on it now, it was probably one of the best experiences of my life at the time. You did, you know, you didn't know if you were, if you had a sore throat, you're like, is this it? Is this, mm-hmm. is this, is this the night I get, you know, wearing masks in hotels and, and, you know, in the, in the lobbies and everywhere you go, not knowing, you know, is this like, how contagious is this thing, you mm-hmm. know, and how's this going to be? And, and, uh, but no, it was, it was, uh, looking back, it was, it was one of the best things, uh, I've ever done. Yeah. Um, Speaking of COVID, I mean, obviously COVID is, is, it's kind of been a, a highlight of, of a lot of these, these conversations that I've had, I've had, because I speak to a lot of artists and I speak to a lot of people who create things and, and probably haven't been able to do a whole lot of things. But I know one thing that uh, you did is you were home last summer and you shot um, the short for me, mom and COVID, which is a documentary that featured your grandmother and uh, your aunt Edwina. Um, which was really, really special, man. I got to say it was something that, uh, uh, I, I really enjoyed watching it. I, I shot you a message after and it just said, and I know a lot of people did. I think a lot of people and a lot of people were looking for things to, to watch. And I mean, it was just, it was real. It was a real documentary kind of thing. And it was, uh, um, it was special. I mean, uh, did you, was that something that, I mean, I, I guess you weren't planning on doing that because, uh, forgive me for uh, forgive me if I'm wrong here, but I believe you, your grandmother passed away just before COVID had kind of happened, right? So it was like that was kind of the issue there was that, I mean, uh, trying to plan a, the funeral and 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 etc. was 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 right as COVID was really ramping up, right? Yeah, it, it COVID uh, they hadn't. My grandmother passed away in late February, uh, 20, uh, 2020, and they hadn't quite called it a world pandemic yet. So I was able to fly back, me and myself, my uncle Gary, fly back from Toronto to Newfoundland. And um, we were able to have a goodbye for my grandmother at calls. And, uh, and then a few weeks later, the, you know, the world shut down. And um, yeah, we were very lucky to get that sign off with her. Um, but yeah, then, and then a few months later, I, I'd, I'd been sort of working and penning you know, an outline for a film about my grandmother because I was really close to my grandmother. I lived with her for a for quite quite a while and um we were very tight and uh i was working on that and i was sort of outlining this idea of, of making a, a biography on my on my grandmother it was you know and um my mom came to me mary and said uh i got this idea for a documentary you know and it's through this cbc relief fund about about mom do you want to do you want to direct it you can come down it'd be a great time for us to work together and and uh yeah i said yeah and then sort of what you know sat on it for a few days I said, let me think about like what it's you know what it's about and then you know um sat on it and talked to my partner kathy and a few other people and that i trust and i was like and i and we just came up with like edwina is just like you know the, the charm of the family in the center of the you know one of the the biggest parts of uh, of the family so so centering around her was kind of special uh she she helped raise me so it was really a moment. You know, I get put in this little category where I just make comedy videos. So I, I think everyone's always really like taken back when, I'm, when I make something that's a little more dramatic. And they're like, "But you're the guy that does the uh, the Dumphy thing. Why? Uh, what are you doing? Uh, what are you doing this this thing?" But but for me, that was like probably the most personal project I've. I, it is the most personal project I've made to date, and uh, and it was uh, it was 
I, the word gets used a lot, but it was cathartic in a way. And it was, um, it was fun to make. And my stepdad, Nigel shot it um, and did a great job. So it was a real like family bonding experience. And I worked, and this editor, Kirk Ramsey, who's, um, who I worked with on Good People, he, um, he cut it. And between my, I found that that flow of me and Kirk going back and forth on notes, you know, was really, was really, really awesome. And yeah, man, I, I, uh, me, mom and COVID was, was probably the, you know, the, um, the most personal thing I've worked on to date. Like it really, you know, when you feel something and you, you know, you cry when you're making it because, you know, it's so personal and it's your, it's your grandmother mm -hmm. and your family. And you're also nervous that like, you, you know, you make these projects with your family. Someone might not never talk to you again, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know? So you, you have to make sure that you show people before it comes out and that they're, they sign off on it, that they're happy with it. Um, but you interview all the right people and that, and that your, um, your talking points are sound and, and, uh, you get them and more, most importantly, you get the message across that you're, or the vision that you're trying, trying to deliver. So I was very happy with how that turned out. Yeah, no, it is. It's, it's truly incredible. I mean, hats off to everybody who's, who's definitely involved in that project. Uh, I'm sure it was, wasn't the easiest thing, obviously, you know, especially after the passing of your grandmother, uh, you know, trying to do that with COVID. I mean, I know you had to come home and quarantine for a little while beforehand. Um, yeah. Um, so yeah, no, just hats off to, to kind of everybody who was involved in that. But one thing I wanted to ask you was you, you mentioned you were kind of doing some, you'd done some like, interviews of your grandmother beforehand. Like what was it you were kind of trying to document in that, in that sense? Um, my friend, Mark Sakamoto um, wrote a book called forgiveness. Uh, Mark is a Japanese Canadian from medicine hat. And his, his book is about his grandparents. It's a love letter to his grandparents. And me, mom, and COVID is the love letter to my, you know, my grandmother, my uncle, and my, my aunt. Um, uh, so Mark said to me when he was talking to his grandmother, Mitsui, uh, he, he, he filmed like an interview with her before she passed away. And it was, he didn't know, he, I don't think he knew he was writing the book then, but he, he thought, what a great thing to have. Um, for his children and his children's children. Like imagine Dave, you had, you, you could just hit a hard drive or hit a, hit a button and you could watch your great, great grandfather talk. How good it would be to have his story to camera telling, telling the story. So uh, with that in mind, I went home when my grandmother was still pretty good, you know, pretty sound state of mind. She always was pretty sound state of mind, but she was still in pretty good shape, like uh, mentally and physically. And we sat around in our house for a couple hours and I just put the camera on the table and had her, you know, talk to me for, for yeah, two hours, I guess. And just recorded like, you know, like, like you would in a podcast, like go from the beginning and, you know, chronologically go through it. And she did. And she sort of told me her story and I have that now on a hard drive and I'll probably upload it to like a, a Vimeo link or something. And then my, my kids can, my kids can have that for their kids or whoever family, you know, wants to, wants to see it and know who their great grandmother, great, great grandmother was. So someone's was a bit of a time capsule capture. And, uh, and it was, it was very useful. I didn't know how useful it would be in, in me, mom and COVID. Like I would go watch, I go watch pieces of that and I go, oh, okay, I want to, I want to hit this story point or I want to hit this, you know, this story point. And it was, uh, and then, you know, Edwina's in the background, <laughs> you know, mulling about and she's like, what, what are you doing, Edwina? And uh, so, I'd, I, you know, little things I'd like, oh, okay, so I want to hit that. And uh, yeah, I, I recommend anyone who has a parent, a grandparent, 
you know, we take time for granted and people for granted that like, if you sit down with them and if it's your phone or whatever it is, and you sort of like, you know, just place it there and just talk to them and, and, and have that. Cause you might want that when you get older and cause we're not all here forever. And we want to have those, you know, want to have those stories to like look back on. It's, it's really, it's, it's a beautiful capture. And uh, the important thing to do is make sure you back it up because, <laughs> because yeah. a lot of people, they, you know, they, they take photos and videos on their phone, but they never back it up, right? Back it up, put it on, you know, put it on a private Vimeo link or put it on like a, you know, whatever it is and, uh, and have that and say, you know, maybe it should be in your will. I don't know. <laughs> I don't mm-hmm. know. But yeah, that was, uh, that was the essence of it was to, was to create a time capsule of my grandmother for all my family to have for the next generations. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, really, really neat, man. I, yeah, I just, I just love that story. I thought it was, uh, you know, really well put together. And, and once again, I just think that everybody can kind of relate the, to that in a sense that, you know, everybody had a, had a, a battle to deal with. And I mean, <clears throat> your family was no different, just, you know, just like a lot of other families and especially families that, that had to deal with, um, you know, loss during, during the, uh, during the pandemic where they, you know, it was, it was really, really hard for people. And, and, and one thing you really featured in that, I didn't even have this wrote down, but one thing I wanted to ask you, I just thought of it then was um, like the calls cluster. I know that that was a big part of that kind of thing and, and kind of the backlash that those people received. Um, what, what was your mindset kind of thinking about, you know, putting that in, in, in it to, to speak about that? That was, um, that was sort of, that was really tricky because I mean, I was in St. John's at the time filming the doc, everyone was talking about, you know, the calls cluster. And, and this was, cause it was the biggest outbreak I think in Canada at the time was calls that funeral home, which was where we buried my grandmother, like in February. And, uh, anyway, so, so everyone kept talking about this patient zero and, and there's this patient zero and this person taught, you know, posted on Facebook, if you were there to like go, you know, and, uh, to go get yourself tested. And the, and then I started seeing like all the, um, all the online, like, you know, mob coming at people and, and being very cruel to them and stuff. So I talked to two ladies in the doc that were, um, that were really, uh, that were really awesome and, and told us their story. And, and it was really tricky to approach that, you know, and talk to them about it because, you know, they're, they're, they had to really put themselves out there. Right. And they were, um, they were great. They told, you know, they, they, they sent me like, you know, the messages, I couldn't put them all out there, but of like, of, okay, so this, you know, I got COVID and then I, and then this person tells me that I'm never allowed to be in, to enter Newfoundland again, like, you know, and starts telling me off, like, as if I, I purposely, and she, and she did go through the pros. She did at the time go through what, what the, you know, the four or five day quarantine Newfoundland recommended if you traveled there and, and she wasn't feeling ill and, and, um, and then for someone, you know, she's burying her, her father. And, yeah, she's and then, grieving herself on top of it all. <laughs> right. And then, and then just this like influx of, of nasty messages, you know, it just was really disheartening. And I thought, if anything, you know, to sort of tie the, the lines between my grandmother and, um, and this woman's story and calls was that like, you know, this was something my grandmother never stood for during the AIDS, AIDS pandemic and, uh, or ep- epidemic rather. And so, so I'd, um, so, so I really wanted to tie those lines between it. I know, I know for some, it was difficult to sort of, you know, compare the two, but I thought there was uh, valid comparisons in there. And I thought, I thought it'd be interesting to, to, to hear those ladies 
uh, Heidi and, you know, uh, talk about, about her experience with it. Yeah, no. And, and I think that, uh, once again, I think just a lot of people who, who I'd spoke about or spoke to who, who had watched it kind of, uh, you know, they definitely felt the same way that it was, they were, uh, very interested to, to see that kind of highlighted in that. And, 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 uh, yeah, it's linked the two for sure. Yeah. And then um, there's, a, there's a woman named, there's a woman named Tina as well, who, um, and she's the one that was sort of that, that, that blew it up on, on uh, social media saying that this place had it. And she was also sent nasty messages, even though she never tested positive for COVID. So it was just like armies of people coming at you. And you're here grieving a relative. And I think now those people that might have sent those messages would look back on that time and be like, my God, that was terrible of us to, you know. So yeah, I know. And I, I, I'll be willing to bet that there's a lot of people who, you know, um, feel that way about a lot of things over the last year. And, and now, now kind of looking back, I mean, it's, it's, it's uh, I think it was a challenge for a lot of people to uh, just to, to, to situate themselves and, 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 and not, and especially with with no not knowing what what's going on, or you know the severity of the illness, or, or the, yeah, or you know everything that the lockdowns that come with it, and the lack of you know people were losing jobs and, and not figuring out how to pay your bills, and I mean it's just just a lot of stress. So I mean, yeah, very very crazy, crazy crazy story. Um, Nick, I want to ask you about good people. Um, I know I I, I seen um a little clip online there and, and I didn't get a whole lot about it, but that's kind of why I wanted to ask you about it. I know you were, uh, you want a Canadian screen award for best writing. Is that right? Nominated. Nominated. <laughs> sorry. Okay. Yeah. 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 Beat, beat out by uh, Johnny Harrison uh, still standing. Right. Right. Yeah, I remember yeah, seeing, yeah. I remember seeing your post on that. Yeah. yeah right on. Uh, yeah. What was that about? Good people. Um, that was uh, again, hosted by uh, Mark Sakamoto, uh, a good buddy of mine. And it was, um, it was basically a show trying to, you know, highlight Canadian problems and the people that are like really doing the heavy, heavy lifting, trying to get the work done, like whether it was homelessness, gun violence, um, you know, recycling was one, um, veterans. Um, yeah, we, we covered all kinds of, uh, all kinds of topics in, uh, in Canada. It was, it was, uh, it was a lot of fun to make actually. It was, uh, it was, uh, a real, I want to say, I want to say it was like, um, meeting all these people was like, was, was, uh, was really inspiring to like people that take on like these topics as a lifelong commitment. Well, yeah, it was, uh, it was wild. It was, uh, it was great. So it was with vice and CBC and mm-hmm. it was about a two year process to make those five episodes. They're on CBC jam. You can watch them there. Right. Yeah. I was going to ask where, where we could watch them at. So it was a five, five series. It was a five episode series. Yeah. Episodes, and it was, uh, yeah, it was, uh, it was one of those, uh, strange collabs with, uh, with, I don't think Vice and CBC had done a collaboration together before, but right. Right. Nevertheless. Um, one last thing I wanted to ask you about is, is something you've been working on. I know you were, you were mentioning it a little bit beforehand. Um, you know, kind of a passion project of yours. You've been working on it for a number of years is skeet. So what's going on with skeet and what's skeet about? Uh, that's, yeah, that's, um, that's a film I'm, I'm hoping to make in the next, um, uh, in the next year or so. And it's, uh, it's with my good friend, Sean Dalton, who's the, the drummer, the former drummer of the Trues, who's, uh, who's also in how to be deadly. He's the, the waterbed scene, but he's, <laughs> Sean's an amazing, amazing talent. If anyone knows Sean, they know how brilliant he is and smart he is. Uh, so he's, um, so myself and Sean, I'm hoping to get down there. Nova Scotia has crazy restrictions right now. So I'm, I just did the application the other day to, to get into Nova Scotia, to work with Sean 
on um, on the last little sort of legs of the script. Um, and there's a there's an angle with the uh, Syrian community as well. So in the film, it's um, there's a, an unlikely friendship between um, Sean's character and um, and some Syrian refugees that live in Newfoundland because Newfoundland it is the new Newfoundland now. You know, when I, when I, we were back there trying to develop Skeet, we had a bunch of like you know pasty Irish guys beating each other up. That was the idea of the film, and we're like, this isn't this isn't like good. This isn't what I'm not we're not feeling this. And then we sort of found these like um, you know immigration in Newfoundland. I talked to my friend Ken Walsh, who's been a great help in, in uh, researching this, and and I'm going to meet with a, a couple a couple members of the Syrian community and and help them, or they're going to help me rather make sure I get that story right and do some read-throughs and hopefully cast some, some members of the Syrian community. So um, still developing for the next few months, hoping to start shooting by the end of the year. Oh, cool, man. Well, I'm looking forward to checking that out. Yeah. Um, you're coming back to Newfoundland soon. I, 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 you mentioned the other day, what, what's going on? You just coming home for a visit or? Well, to, to develop Skeet, you right. know, to try to try to get that going and, and meet up with people. But, but uh, I went online to do the form and <laughs> it doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't, uh, it doesn't exist for July. So I hope it does. It opens up in July. Like it says it's going to, but right. Right. Yeah. I mean, is, is that what's going, have you heard anything about the form? Can you help me out here? Or what? No idea, man. Every day it seems like there's new news and it's changing and there's different shit going on. And I mean, yeah. it seems like, I think, I think yesterday I was, it was like, it's, it's like upwards on 80% of the population here has their first dose of the vaccine, yeah. which is, really good numbers in my opinion i think that's that's pretty good um seems like case counts are are really dropping i mean they had that little cluster that kind of happened out in the west coast um but I, I, it looks like they've got that pretty much pretty much handled so uh I, listen if i was a betting man i'd be willing to bet you you'll be fine in july i think that the government here wants to I just don't think they can let too many businesses suffer here at this point, man. I mean, they've had a, it's been yeah. a tough uh, year and a half. I mean, they lost, like, this is a tourism place, Nick, you know that man, a lot of, a lot of places rely on uh, the four or five months of, of tourism that we get here. Uh, the business that brings, I mean, that's how a lot of people survive through the winter, me included. Honestly, I'm one of those guys. That's how I I've survived. And uh, you know, it's, yeah. it's been a, it's been a challenging year, I think for a lot of people. So I think the government is just kind of, at, at this point, they've 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 really they got their hands tied, and, and they've got to uh, they got to let people try to fend for themselves at this point, and, and really really uh, try to salvage somewhat of a, a tourism season out of it because it's gonna be a, it's gonna be a dark place, I think, if that doesn't happen. Be just because, man, two years of no tourism, I mean, it's gonna be tough for anybody here. I, like you say, that's just how a lot of people survive, right? Yeah, yeah. No, my aunt and uncle have a have an inn in Norris Point. And uh, we talk about that quite a bit. Uh, I, I get it. I fully get it. And it's, you know, I think the timing's right, but I, but if the timing's always right until it's not, you know, so uh, exactly. I, but I mean, I mean, I never got the chance to talk to interview you and ask you some questions. I mean, you got to, uh, you got to do gig in another tourist place in uh, Mexico. I, I never got the chance to ask you about that. Cause <laughs> I always, I always enjoy watching your, uh, your stories from Mexico when Matt was down visiting you and you were there just doing it. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. I've, I've been doing that for, uh, I've done it for nine years now in Puerto Vallarta, Mexico every winter. I mean, I yeah. missed it this year. And honestly, I've been thinking about it the last few weeks so hard. I'm like, I cannot wait to go back. I'm probably going to go for longer this year than I normally do. I'm just yeah, like yeah. going to double it up. And, um, 
uh, my partner, Taylor, she works from, works from home. She can work from home. She's not right now, but she can work from home. So, I mean, she's planning on, I'm going to come down with me and, uh, she'll still be able to work. I'll still be able to do my thing. You know what I mean? I'll still be able to pump out podcasts and, and do online yeah. stuff as much as I can from when I'm down there. And your and, background's uh, gonna, your background's going to change. I think on your, on your visual here is going to yeah. be different for uh, when you're in Puerto Vallarta. Yeah, exactly. No, definitely looking forward to that. I honestly, I'm, I'm looking forward to just, uh, uh being a, be able to travel man be able to plan something i mean that's it's a hard thing it's not being able to plan anything we've been very fortunate here in nick and newfoundland i mean oh yeah last summer we were wide open here man it was i mean as long as you had your mask on it was like wide open just like it, like you know the yeah. pedestrian mall is like george street festival for two months like it's hilarious right i enjoyed being there for those few months that i was there it was it was uh it was like it was like i was in a different world yeah, yeah, exactly. So, uh, I, and I'm looking forward to, you know, the, 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 the tourists coming back. I mean, that's always a fun part of Newfoundland is having the tourists go around with their, uh, little blue bottles and their, and their, and their umbrellas. <laughs> that's right. The blue bottles is the sure sign. What, what are the sure signs of a tourist in Newfoundland? Tilly has, uh, uh umbrella, umbrella, umbrella and, uh, 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 sweater vest. <laughs> sweater vest. Okay. So tell me this, how, what's, how is a tourist in Newfoundland versus a tourist in Puerto Vallarta? Um, well, no umbrellas because it's not rain in January, February, March. Um, right. They're the tourists in Puerto Vallarta are sixty-five plus. <laughs> right, different age, different age bracket. Yeah, yeah, very different age bracket. Yeah, they're not there for hikes. No, 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 no. They're not. They're not there for hikes and and, and fish and chips exactly. But <laughs> yeah, right. right. Uh, but that's that's me, man. That's kind of how I've I've always it's always been. You know, especially for the last ten years, I I work off the summer tourism industry basically in Newfoundland, and then I work off the winter tourism industry that happens in Puerto Vallarta, which is the very busy time for them. So, I mean, and in between those couple months, which is you know September to say December, I'm usually trying to book a tour with with the band where I can get across Canada or whatever, get some yeah. gigs up along. And, uh, and then by the time I get back, it's like, it's April. I mean, I got a month to probably chill. I might do a little bit my own kind of vacationing if I do something like that. And then it's right back into tourist season. So yeah. uh, I've always been a fan of yours. I remember like when we did Lee's palace together, yeah, man, and, remember and, that and, oh, and you shit. opened and you opened for, uh, you, you agreed to open with uh, for us and, and, uh, <laughs> we kept getting delayed for whatever reasons, wardrobe reasons or something. And I was like, "Can you do? Can you do ten more minutes here?" Like, no problem, man. I got. I kept kept it going. It was like, <laughs> well, like you had me booked for like a, I don't know, man, or whatever, twenty five minutes set, half an hour set. I'm like, man, I'm just doing four hours. Yeah, what, what do you need, man? Bump out a few more. Yeah, that was probably, probably the, you know, that was the biggest show I ever played, probably in Toronto during my time living there because. I mean, you got sold out Lee's Palace that night, which is a huge venue for Toronto. I mean, it was fucking massive. That was, yeah, that was, uh, that was a lot of fun. That was, um, that, that was the, the height of it, I think, for sure. Yeah. I think I also did the show with you guys in St. John's too at Club One. I believe you did. I, yeah. I mean, yeah, no, I was, um, I had lots of good times. Uh, did you did you ever get to play Salmon Festival? I'm shocked that you haven't played a Salmon Festival. I guess they're done now. Are they? Yeah, or no, I never know. I never got to play Salmon Fest, and oh. I don't think it exists anymore. I think it does, but it's like, it's more like a garden party now. It's a secret party. Oh, okay, gotcha. No, like where it's it's just it's so dialed back. It's it's not the right. the you know the kind of uh, excess that it once was, right? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. No, I I think so. Is is there another thing going to replace it? 
Man, I, I, once again, it's weird. I, I I don't know. Like, I don't even think there's going to be a George Street Festival this year. Obviously, you know, with with COVID, so uh, it'd be interesting to kind of see how all that that stuff. So I know they're I know they're doing the folk festival here, but it's like a dialed back version where they're doing smaller performances for four weekends in a row, which is pretty interesting. It's not it's not the big folk fest that they normally would have, but I mean, it's uh, uh I think they're doing. I think it starts in a couple of weeks and they have like, you know, a Friday and Saturday night with different artists. And then, um, uh, you know, for, for a month repeating kind of, I think they're doing that for, for Friday and Saturday nights. So be interesting to see. I, I know they're, they're definitely going to be focused a lot more on, on local artists, which is really great, which they always do. Don't get me wrong. The Newfoundland folk society, yeah. they always, they always really highlight the, the Newfoundland artists, no doubt, but you always get a few really interesting cats from, from, uh, from abroad who come down and, and, you know, might headline or something like that. Right. Right, 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 right. Yeah, cool. That's yeah, that's I, it for me, man. I I really appreciate. It. I mean, Jesus, I've been taking your time all day. I, we've been we've been on forever. I I'm, I apologize for taking so long. Oh no, no worries. I, I gotta go do a gravel path in my backyard. <laughs> I gotta go buy twenty bags of pea gravel uh, from a shop up the street. So well, you get your hat on for it. Anyways. I got my, my gravel hats here. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Sure. Hey, I appreciate you taking the time, Nick. Um, I mean, really nice catching up. You haven't chatted with you in a while, but I, I really appreciate you taking the time today. I know you're, I know you're oh. busy doing your thing, man. So thanks again. My pleasure, man. No, it's been fun. I, I, I enjoyed it. I'll, uh, I'll keep tuning in. Uh, hopefully, right. I'll see you, hopefully I'll see you in Puerto Vallarta sometime. Either Puerto Vallarta or let me know when you get home, man. Love to catch up yeah. for a beer and, and, and shoot some bullshit for sure. Absolutely. All right, Nick, we'll catch up with you soon, man. Cheers. All right, see you. Bye. Huge thanks to Nick Sexton for joining me today. I had a great chat with Nick. I really, really appreciate him taking the time. I know he's a busy dude, and he's got a couple young kids, and uh, just, you know, really, really appreciate him, like you say, taking the time, because uh, I, I love hearing, hearing all that stuff. I mean, all the real, real cool stories about being down south, and, I mean, you know, uh, doing the documentary about his grandmother, I mean, during COVID, just real crazy stuff, and I love chatting with him about the Dumpy stuff, because, you know, it was uh, it was a big part of, the, you know, kind of pop culture in, in, in Newfoundland, years ago it was incredible it still is but i mean you know at the age of of youtube and and you know it really really crazy so big thanks to nick sexton for for joining me on that one and make sure you do uh you do go online and, and check out uh you know those those films me mom and covid good people um the the dumpy film how to be deadly and um and keep an eye out for for his new uh, new projects that are coming out so yeah once again thanks to nick um once again, guys, not too much going on with me. You know, still going to be beating around, playing, playing tunes. Um, if you want to find me, uh, schedule is kind of up in the air right now. So make sure you do just follow me on all my social media, you know, at Dave Witty on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. I'm always posting there about where you can find me. Um, looking right now, like I got a fun uh, Canada Day show at the Republic, which is going to be June 30th. Uh, I'll be there at 10 o'clock. You know, Canada Day is the next day. Um, so just really looking forward to, to that one. That's going to be a good laugh. Um, and you know, you can find me definitely on Sunday nights at green sleeves there at around six 30. So come on and join me if you can. Um, I'll probably leave you there guys. Once again, thanks. And, uh, you know, I'm going to keep these to, to two weeks now, or uh, sorry, once every, every couple weeks, uh, at least for the summer, just, just finding it a bit difficult with, with the gigs on the go and, and, and find it hard to, to, um, you know, kind of keep up on it 
you know through the summer it makes it a little difficult so uh I'll be back again in the in the fall of course for hopefully for uh one weeks and um but you know but keep tuning in and, and keep sharing guys really appreciate all the support i've been getting on the podcast been having a lot of fun doing it and i've just been really enjoying chatting with people and and getting interesting uh interesting takes from from different unique you know people all over the uh all over the world for that matter especially uh you know newfoundlanders with, with great stories uh i don't have a whole lot to talk about my intros anymore now that the leafs are gone i'm sure you guys are a little probably be a little happier that uh i'm not going on about the leafs for seven or eight minutes but uh that's it gonna gonna focus on the on baseball right now and and uh and and go jays go and and still watching a little you know still watching the hockey i mean I'm not much of a uh, I'm not much of a uh, a Habs hater. I'm a Leafs lover, so you know, love to see Carey Price win one. I think he deserves it. It's probably not going to get too many opportunities like he has right now. They lost a tough one last night to uh, to uh, to Vegas, so um, we'll see what happens. Anyways, but you know that about does it for me, guys. From downtown St. John's, Newfoundland, I'm Dave Whitty. Peace. <laughs>